Welcome to the Rochester Church of Christ Sermon Podcast. We believe that there is no message more life-changing and more relevant than the gospel. It is our earnest prayer that you will be enriched as a disciple and that you will hear the good news today. I've been listening to sermons my entire life, and this is the first time I've been on this side of the podium. And uh, let me tell you, at least for me, it's a lot harder than you might think. I would encourage everyone, even if you never, ever share it with someone, write your own sermon. The experience will give you a new appreciation for those who get up here and share, especially on a regular basis. I really appreciate Dan and especially Adam. And Dan and Adam, wherever you are, thank you, thank you. We can't thank them enough for them sharing with us. So I'm just going to share today, you probably won't hear anything new that you haven't heard before, but my prayer is that hopefully the things I say will draw us closer to our Heavenly Father. As one of your shepherds, I always want to remind you that we pray for you constantly. Every Wednesday night, we meet and pray over concerns that we're aware of. Uh, Please let us know. We'll be glad to help you and pray with you personally listen to you, whatever your needs are, we will be glad to do that. Let's stand in respect for the reading of God's word, please. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and am not silent. You are enthroned as the Holy One, You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. Let's pray. Dear Father, we first of all praise you for who you are. And we thank you for all that you've done for us. Father, we know intellectually that you are always with us. Help us to feel it more in our hearts, to appreciate you more and to trust you more. Father, may we hear you speaking to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So the first part of this verse, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We recognize this because Jesus, these are the exact words he said when he was hanging on the cross. Did you know that he was quoting a Psalm of David? We're going to get back to this verse in a few minutes, but I have a question for you. If we were down at Starbucks or we happened to bump bump into each other downtown, and I I asked you, who are you going to call? That is right. Okay? That's probably what you'd say. But I am here to tell you that actually that's not the right answer. There is someone else we can and should always call on. So I've got a story for you. Back in 2008, we purchased a new house for us. And this was the first house that we had that actually had trees big enough to climb in. At that time, my son Will, he's about eight, nine years old, perfect tree climbing age, okay? So it's in the fall, I'm out in the front yard raking leaves, and Will and his friend Jake Genema, they're out messing around in the backyard. So maybe 30 minutes later, I hear this huge crack. And my son's screaming, Dad, Dad, save me, save me. I don't want to (laughs) die. So I go racing around the corner to the side yard where I see Will hanging by one foot 
headfirst from the top of a tree. Apparently, he got to the top of the tree by climbing on a branch that was just a little bit too small, and it broke. He fell, bouncing off a couple limbs, and he got his foot caught in the Y of two branches, dangling upside down. The lowest branch from the ground was pretty high, so I did this Superman leap, and I had him in my arms in no time. He was crying. I said, I got you. I got you. It's okay. And I just held on to him for a minute. I had to pick him up to get his foot loose from the tree, and then we slowly made our way back to the ground. You should have seen Jake's eyes. <laughs> they were as big as saucers. All he could say was, I didn't do anything. <laughs> so by the way, Will was okay, no twisted or broken ankle. So later that night, I wrote the events down so I could remember them. It was a pretty special day. I'll tell you this story for two reasons. First of all, I don't think it was a coincidence that his foot just happened to get caught in that branch. And second, I want us to think about Will's cry for help. His exact words were, Dad, Dad, save me, save me. I don't want to die. At that moment, Will knew there was no one else that could save him except me, his father. There was no way he could have reached up and somehow got his foot out of that tree without slipping and falling. And there was no way he could tell how long until his foot was going to slip. So I have some questions for you. When you're hanging upside down, 20 feet in the air by one foot, who are you going to call? When your child is sick for five months and the doctors can't figure out what's going on, who are you going to call? When your marriage is imploding and you're trying to fix it and it's not getting any better, matter of fact, it seems to be getting worse. Who are you going to call? When your wife is sick and you take, her out, you take her to the ER and you drop her off and they wheel her in and you can't go in because of COVID and you're not sure she's going to come back out, who are you going to call? Tough questions. I suggest that there's no one else that we can call on except our Heavenly Father. Psalm 73 says, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We know that God loves us. We know that his son, Jesus, died for us. And we know his Holy Spirit lives inside us. You know, we hear this a lot, right? God loves you. But do we stop and really let that sink in? Do we really believe that? If we do, who else can we possibly call? When Jesus was probably at his lowest point on earth, hanging on the tree, he cried out to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We can't possibly understand the pain he was going through, but even more so the feeling of having the sins of the world on his shoulders. But even while on the cross, I don't think he was really thinking that his father left him. Most scholars feel that those words, he said those for those who were watching. When Jesus cried out, he knew he was quoting a psalm that most Jewish people would know. They would have also known the rest of the passage that he didn't say. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my words of groaning? 
Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and I'm not silent. I would imagine that almost all of us in this room have had our shared trials. Some of us way more than others. Times that you wish would never have happened. Those times when you cry out to God, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to my loved ones? God, I just don't understand. I keep praying and waiting for answers, and they just aren't coming. Or the answers certainly aren't the ones I wanted. I'm curious. Could you raise your hand if you've been there recently? I know I have. And that's the point. We've all been there, and if we haven't, our time will come. But the rest of the verse says, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you, our fathers put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not disappointed. <clears throat> it's kind of easy to read stuff like that in the Bible, right? Trust in God, and he'll deliver you. But how do we really do that? I think that we know that we should, but how do we actually get better at trusting him? Israel put their trust in God, and just like us, man, did they struggle. We all have our spiritual ups and downs. We have our mountaintop and our deep valley experiences. We hear this phrase, wow, he had a come to Jesus moment. Y'all heard that? What does that mean? How do you define your come to Jesus moment? In November of 2020, our moment came. COVID came to our house. My son, Will, he got better, and I got better, but my wife, Heather, didn't. As a lot of you know, she, uh, she had a long, hard recovery. But you know, James chapter 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face various trials. Notice it says when. It doesn't say if. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. When somebody faces a test and they persevere through it, then they have a testimony. My wife has a testimony, and I've asked her to come share it with us today. Good morning, everyone. Um, when Paul first asked me to do this and be a part of this, I wasn't sure I could get up in front of so many people and tell my story. But a couple weeks ago, Adam has been preaching out of the book of Mark, and he told the story of the man who um, had a legion of demons, and God took them from him. He saved him from those. And uh, when the Jesus went to leave his town, he wanted to follow him. And Jesus basically told him no. And in Mark 5, 19, he replied to him, he said, go home and go and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much he has had mercy on you. And when I heard that passage a couple weeks ago, I knew that I could do this because I want to tell of all the good things that God has done for me. Mm -hmm. Like Paul said earlier, um, our story, my story begins in November of 2020 when um, COVID came to our household. Um, like most of you, if you got a virus or whatever, you would be sick a day or two. Um, for me, in my whole lifetime, I can only remember maybe being sick a week or two at the very most. You know, something happened over my life. Um, but this time, it was very, very different. Um, for me, days turned into weeks, and weeks turned into months, 
And through all of this illness that I had, I became very humbled and I learned so very, very much. I had days at the beginning where my head hurt so very, very bad. Um, I had the brain fog. I couldn't read a book. I couldn't watch TV. I couldn't carry on very long conversations. I had trouble with motion, just any kind of motion, and um, I had to stop driving. I couldn't drive myself anywhere. Then the fatigue set in, and it was so very, very bad. I had days when I literally felt that I was slipping away and that there was nothing I could do about it. After about two weeks of all of that going on, um, I started having this pain in my, my side under my ribs, and it wouldn't go away. And I ended up making three different trips to the ER to try to figure out what was going on. And finally, they admitted me with a diagnosis of pancreatitis. And they also, through other testing, found out that I had a stomach ulcer and um, acid reflux that they said was due to the COVID. I ended up being in the hospital for four days, and it was hard because during that time no one could visit or come or whatever, and so I was by myself. Not really, though, because God was with me and I knew that. But the extreme, when I came home, I actually started feeling even worse. Um, I ended up with just extreme abdominal pain that would not go away, and I ended up not being able to eat very well at all. I had um, such a hard time eating that I ended up losing like 25 pounds in just a short few weeks. And it was just a real, just hard, hard time. I, during that time, I started losing my hair and my pain just continued. And um, I just felt very hopeless. <laughs> I had days, days and days where I would lay in my bed or sit in my chair in my room just for hours and I would watch the clock. And during those times, I began to pray a lot, and I mean a lot. I was seeing a GI doctor at the time for my stomach issues, an endocrinologist for my fatigue issues, a cardiologist because I had started developing some heart palpitations and things, and my natural path. And all the doctors um, were trying to figure it out for me. But then through all that physical pain, another thing happened to me. I became um, and well, overwhelmed with incredible anxiety. I have never had anxiety like that before in my life, and it basically overtook me. I felt oppressed by it, literally oppressed. It was like a dark cloud had enveloped me, and I became very full of fear. I knew that I, that, that fear was not from God, but I did feel it, and it was very present. I became very fearful of dying, I became fearful of having something else, that, like some kind of cancer that they hadn't found yet. And I became very fearful of getting COVID again. I just wanted to hibernate in my house forever. It was like my safe place and I didn't want to go anywhere else. It was especially hard for me to come to church where there were bigger crowds. On top of this, I started having incredible muscle tremors that I would wake up to each morning and they would last on and off throughout the day. And so throughout those many, many weeks and months, I have to admit, I had a few self-pity days. There weren't a lot of them that I felt really sorry for myself, but I do remember them well because I would sob in Paul's arms and I would ask him, Paul, why God was not answering my prayers for healing. 
I would have a really great day, and then the next day it would be terrible. And I had nothing to do. I had to step away from all the ministries that I was involved in here at church. I could no longer work my part-time job, and I had no energy for anything. I couldn't cook, I couldn't clean, I couldn't grocery shop, I couldn't do laundry, and I even needed help with washing and drying my hair because I didn't have the strength to hold my hair dryer up. Paul had to do everything for me, and I saw my husband live out his commitment in sickness and in health, and I was humbled. This went on for so many weeks, but a wonderful thing happened to me through all of this. I grew spiritually, and I learned more about what trusting God was really all about. I found great comfort in his word, and one of my favorite Bible scriptures became Isaiah 41.10. We're going to put that on the screen. It says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This um, I had written down on cards, and I committed it to memory, and I can actually remember laying on the floor sometimes, being in so much pain, and um, reaching out my right hand for his right hand. And I would feel his presence helping me and being with me. Um, to help me get through all this, I wrote down scriptures on cards that I loved, scriptures that spoke of healing, scriptures that spoke of fear, and that God doesn't want us to be fearful. And I would take those cards with me a lot of places, even to the ER and to the hospital. I listened to God's word every night on a, a scripture healing app that a friend told me about, and it was so wonderful. I fell asleep every night listening to God's word. Paul prayed with me so much, and he prayed over me. I would ask him to do that a lot when I didn't have the strength to. James 5:14 says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And I did this. I believed God's word, and I took it literally. I had Paul talk to the elders, and um, they all got together, and I asked them to each pick a scripture to pray over me. And we did this over Zoom because we couldn't be together at the time. And uh, Paul anointed me with oil, and the elders prayed for me. And that was a wonderful thing. Our elders are here for us. They do love us, and they care for us. Um, Paul and I, through this, began to have devotionals together every morning. And the huge blessing of, one, of through my illness was that my marriage grew stronger. I finally, or I literally, I shouldn't say finally, I literally <laughs> saw in action the love my husband has for me. My children were there for me. Amber brought groceries. And Autumn would come and sit and talk with me and encourage me. And Bill drove me to doctor's appointments. My friends, wow, they really, really showed up for me. They brought me meals and smoothies and soups when I could hardly eat anything. And a bag full of gluten-free groceries from a dear friend because I now had a new diet and I didn't have any gluten-free things in my home. Neighbors would leave flowers on my porch and food on my doorstep. And um, later when I was able to walk in the spring, one of my neighbors that I really didn't know very well, she told me she had been praying for me every day when I was ill. And that meant so much to me because I didn't really know her that well. Um, 
I received lots of cards from all of you here that really brightened my day and my spirit, and I kept them in a basket, and I would read them over and over and over again. Never underestimate the power of sending a card to someone. I received lots of texts from so many here checking up on me a lot, and that meant so much. And I received a prayer blanket that I uh, use daily. I got more rides to doctor's appointments from another friend until I could finally drive again for myself. I saw God's hand in all of this, and I knew that it was him who was providing and protecting and healing me. God revealed himself to me as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, and Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. I learned finally to be okay with doing nothing. Um, I felt like the whole world was going on without me, but I learned it was okay to just sit quietly and be before God and to listen. And I had many, many hours to do that. I learned more and more about what trusting God was really about, and I learned how to pray differently. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 through 18 says, to pray continually and to give thanks to God in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And that was really, really hard. The first time that I ever prayed and thanked God for my illness, I remember how hard that was. But I started doing that because that's what the word says to do. And it freed my soul and it brought peace. And I was surrendered. I was probably the most surrendered that I have ever been in my life. And that's a good place to be. I've taken a lot of things for granted in my life over so many years. And even the simple act of eating and enjoying food I had taken for granted. But being made to be still for that long has changed me for forever. I'm much more grateful and much more thankful now. Every day, the first thing I do when I wake up, before I get out of bed, is I thank him for giving me a brand new day of life. Because every day is truly a gift from him. And I ask myself, how will I use this day that he's given me to his glory? Today, through answered prayer and a phone call from Trudy Kessler, who followed a prompting from the Holy Spirit to tell me about a, a new doctor I might be interested in, I have been under his care for a year, and he has been putting all the pieces for me together physically, and I am doing so, so very much better. God has healed me physically, he's healed me emotionally, he's healed me spiritually, and I praise him, and I praise his name for all he's done for me today. And that's what I wanted to do, was share what he's done for me. <laughs> Thank you. I'd like to have a, a little prayer over Heather. Dear Father, I thank you for bringing Heather and I through this journey and the lessons that we've learned from it. I thank you for her willingness to share it today. I realize some here have had journeys far more difficult than ours. Father, may we all grow and learn what you want us to learn, to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Appreciate you guys clapping. I was doing pretty good till I, I've heard her say that several times, but it's hard to hear it. So where do we go from here? What's the plan? Here's a couple thoughts. You know, I used to play a lot of basketball. I even coached for a lot of years. And when you go to make a shot, what's the most important thing to do? 
Follow through. Keep your eye on the goal. Don't take your eye off of that hoop. I can just see it. You play football, you're a wide receiver. You guys see this on the pros, on the TV, every day on Sunday. They're going out, they have an easy pass to catch, and they drop it. How come? The last second, they take their eyes off the ball. Then we have our good friend, the Apostle Peter. You have got to love Peter. In Matthew 14, you remember the story? The disciples are out in the boat. The waves are getting high. Jesus comes walking out on the water, and they're terrified. They think he's a ghost. Jesus says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. You know, Peter, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. Jesus says, come. Peter gets out of the boat and begins to walk on the water. Can you imagine? But what happens? That's right. He begins to sink. Why? Verse 30 says, But when he saw the wind and the waves, he was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. What did he do? He took his eyes off Jesus. He took his eyes off Jesus. How many times have I done that? No wonder I'm sinking sometimes. What are my eyes looking at? Where's my focus? Let's turn it around. What are your eyes looking at? Where's your focus? Who's got your attention? Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us, Fixing our eyes on, hmm, maybe my job, my house, stuff, maybe my family, maybe even church stuff. You fill in the blank. Isn't it so easy to get distracted? That's not what it says. It says we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You look at Jesus' life, always taking time to be with his father. He's quoting scripture. He's looking for people to help. Have you ever felt like God's just not around or just doesn't seem to care? Let's go back to the will and the tree story for just a second. I'm in the front yard raking leaves. I hear the crack of the branch. I hear my son screaming, Dad, Dad, save me, save me. I don't want to die. And I run around the corner and I see him dangling for his life and I stop and I say, Will, what are you doing up in that tree? I told you to be more careful. Now look at that. What are you doing? You have really got yourself in a tight spot, don't you? I think I'm just going to leave you up there for a while and let you uh, learn a lesson. You know I'm not going to say that. I'm his father. I'm going to save him. I don't care how he got there. Okay? I'm going to save him, even if it would kill me. Isn't our Heavenly Father the same way? Isn't that what God did for us? Didn't he save us even if it would kill him? Right now, you might be in the top of a tree, hanging by one foot upside down. It might be because of your own poor choices, or it might not be your fault at all. I'm not here to lecture you about how you got there. I am here to tell you that your Heavenly Father is here to save you. 
Adam always reminds us that we are loved and chosen. Do we really believe that? Man, I hope that we do. God loves us so much. What, what did he do? He gave his one and only son to die for us. That whoever believes in him won't perish, but have everlasting life. He didn't send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I'm not saying that if you read your Bible three times a day, everything's going to be perfect. Quite the contrary. We elders are privileged to be involved in many very difficult personal situations in this church family. We are privileged to be involved in very difficult times. We get to pray over circumstances that sometimes, to be honest, are unbelievably heartbreaking. We see health problems that sometimes don't have the outcomes that we pray for. We see the results of lifestyles that ruin people's lives. But you know what? I know that this world is not my home. I'm just a spiritual being having an earthly experience. My life still comes down to a choice. Who am I going to trust? Who am I going to call on? Trusting in God's not a naive, stick your head in the sand type of trust. It is a choice to have a faith in a God that I cannot see when circumstances and feelings would say otherwise. I'm going to say that again. It is a choice to have a faith in a God that I cannot see when circumstances and feelings might say otherwise. I can't trust my life and my eternal life on how I feel about the circumstances. They can change in an instant. If I can't put my total trust in God, what's the alternative? Having trust in myself? Speaking from experience, that does not work very well. We need to trust in the one that loves us more than we will ever know. You know, sometimes I think, there is nobody that loves my family more than me. That's wrong. God loves them way more. He invented love, and God is love. Woody, why don't you bring your praise team up and prayer team if you'll come up as well. Um, let's all stand. If there's anything that we can do to help you in any way, I invite you to come and share with our prayer team. We have elders at the back doors. You might be hanging upside down in a tree right now. And we can pray for you. You might be at the top of the mountain right now. You can share that as well. You might be tired of trying to rely on yourself. Maybe it's time to trust somebody else, somebody like Jesus. Let us help you if we can. We sincerely thank you for listening and pray that you were blessed today. To learn more about Rochester Church of Christ, to support our ministry, or to contact us with any prayer needs you may have, head over to www.rochestercoc.org. Remember, you are loved and chosen.